Bada bee, bada ba, bada ba. Living in the shower, dancing in the mirror, mirror, mirror. What's cracking? Welcome back, episode two of season three. That's what I like to say. Um, yeah, let's have some fun. We'll have an interview later. Um, we'll just uh, run through what I'm going to talk about. Talk about a little bit of news stuff that's been in the news lately talk a little about the elections that'll be going on and talk about some people that are sadly not with us anymore as well and then we'll go into my life and we'll have some fun talk about some serious stuff and then we'll talk about some fun stuff so sit back relax strap in have a good rest of your day <laughs> and so the first thing i want to talk about is the headline news of uh Kanye West's fashion show, Yeezy Season 9. Um, he came out with a t-shirt, him and Candace Owens, <laughs> with a White Lives Matter t-shirt. And it took over the internet. It took over pretty much, like, everything. <laughs> Everyone did not like it. Um, but I have a weird take about it, because Kanye's reasoning behind it was that he would be walking around and he would just see all these white people with Black Lives Matter t-shirts. And so in, he was like, well, I want to let them know that I think their lives matter too. So in that sense, that makes sense. But to some people, they would think that that is being against Black Lives Matter. Which is kind of weird that you can't think... I under I fully understand why it is a bad way of thinking, but also it is getting the message across, and it's bringing the topic back to the conversation of Black Lives Matter, which I don't think people really get is what he was trying to do, is make the topic be talked about again, and the way that he did it, people just didn't like, but I think people just have to understand that they're never going to like what Kanye does, and they're never going to like what anybody truly does, so it's like... I don't know, for some people it's a hard topic to talk about, but I personally, hot take, I like that idea, because it brings up every, it brings it up, it brings up the topic, it's like, uh, white lives matter, but I thought black lives matter, well, wait, but don't they both, it's, so it's one of those weird things, and I fully understand both sides of it, but just in my opinion, I, I think it's awesome that it's a different way of raising awareness for Black Lives Matter because, and you're like, Brennan, how so? And I go back to explain what Kanye said and I'm just like, he wanted to let other people know that their lives mattered. And people don't realize that he is one of the few people that is just open to say whatever the fuck he thinks and most people aren't like that. And people just attack him instead of trying to understand his beliefs. And there is no really in-between when it comes to that, especially when it comes to Kanye, because he has such hot takes. <laughs> um, but that's like the fashion world that was going on there. There was a lot of other cool stuff that happened, but that Kanye Yeezy Season 9 took the way. He's also trying to build a school and a new Yeezy headquarters together, which is a total different concept than anybody's ever thought of. Um, with this whole White Lives Matter thing that came up with it as well, is how the Black Lives Matter made over $100 million and have yet to even use it. 
what also Kanye will be doing is the proceeds, 100% of the proceeds that are sold, that are made from the White Lives Matter t-shirt will go back to the black community for him to actually do something to help it because I'm going to be honest, all those corporations from 2020 that were just like, yeah, Black Lives Matter, here's all this money. Um, where's that money now and what is it doing? And I thought we were being transparent because <laughs> I remember a lot of companies that were just like, hey, $100 million here, $50 million there, Black Lives Matter. But what are you doing now? What's going on now? And why aren't you saying anything? And because they're all still profiting off of black people. Everybody's profiting off of black people. Everybody's profiting off of white people. But the culture nowadays is the the dab and hug black culture. The culture nowadays is rapper black culture. The culture nowadays is street clothes black culture. The culture nowadays is shoes black culture. The culture nowadays is chains black culture. I can keep going, but I don't want this to be the whole episode. All that I want to say on this whole Kanye the West and White Lives Matter thing is that it is raising awareness to a topic that still needs to be talked about, that people assumingly stop talking about. And all those hard-ass activists, it's just feeding into them for them. The hard left and the hard right, it's feeding into both plays because now they're like, oh, there's a black guy that finally thinks like I do. Or, oh, there's a, there's a black guy that finally doesn't think like I, you know, it's, you can play both sides of the key. Speaking of politics now, there's this video, don't mind that, there's this video that I wanted to play, and it is a leaked video of a conversation from a, I don't want to mess this up, a leaked conversation from members of the Los Angeles City Council for making racist comments for a um, about a fellow white colleague and his black son. Leaked audio. It is a conversation between the City Council of Los Angeles President Nuri Martinez and council members uh, discuss the fellow Mike Bowen, who is white and he has a kid. Um, in quotes, Bowen thinks he's fucking black, Martinez said per the audio, referencing Bowen's child. Martinez also says, Paris... Paris Chungato, which is, he is like a monkey, after discussing Los Angeles City, after discussing him, and Martinez also referred to him as, fuck that guy, he's with the blacks. So if you don't believe me, I will play a little audio for you. All the council who wanted to join Herb on the flow, because he used to do a whole photo to be nice. Bonnie would be like, hey, Nuri, are you going to the MLK? Well, Herb invited me, yeah, I'll go. Okay, I'm bringing whatever the kid's name is. I'm like, it's like the oddest thing. It's like black and brown on this float. And then there's this, this white guy with this little black kid who's misbehaved. Este niño has no, he's, they're not even, yeah, no, they're not doing, the kid is bouncing off the effing walls on the floor, practically tipping it over. There's nothing you can do to control him. And I'm just like, oh my God. I'm over here she trying to parent this for MLK, for the parade that Herb used to organize. And we need all the council who wanted to join Herb on the floor because he used to do a whole photo to be nice. Bonnie would be like, hey, Nuri, are you going to the MLK? Well, Herb invited me. Yeah, I'll go. Okay, I'm bringing whatever the kid's name is. I'm like... 
It's like the oddest thing. It's like black and brown on this float. And then there's this there's white guy with the little black kid who's misbehaved. Okay, you get the gist. It's just her being mad at this guy being on a float with his kid that's black on an MLK float and he's white. That's her big... This is bad. This is bad. Now, I also want to bring up this Republican um, Senator... Let me get this right here. Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama. I'll say it again. It's really fun to say. Tommy Tuberville. His remarks equating black people to criminals during a rally. Criticizing reparations are not wrong, but dangerous. Now, are you ready for this? Some people say, well, they're soft on crime. No, they're not soft on crime. They're pro-crime. They want crime. They want crime because they want to take over what you got. They want to control what you have. They want reparation because they think the people that do the crime are owed that. Bullshit. They are not owed that. They some people. And when he's saying they, he's referring to black people. There was also this audio recording. Father, are you so Okay. Body camera video capturing 61-year-old Mark Geltzer after South Miami police said he verbally assaulted a 17-year-old cashier at this McDonald's back in July. What did you say? I Moments after police said he arrived at the lobby to report. So I don't know if you heard that. He's. They asked what he said, and then he said, "I called her a useless, but I don't want to use that word." So then, why did you use that word in the first place? That's that. That's that. That's that type of energy that they're on. Okay, don't worry, we're almost, I got a couple more things and we'll get more lighthearted, but this is the stuff that is in the day-to-day life that I feel like I should share because some people still might not think that racism is big. Not big, I feel like that's not the right word. Racism isn't relevant nowadays. It is equated to what DDG said and how he thought that racism died with MLK. I thought MLK, I think DDG's quote was, I thought MLK got rid of that shit. When his girlfriend, Holly Bailey, Holly Bailey, is now the Little Mermaid and she's black. And so there was this whole outrage. (laughs) And... In my opinion, it was, it's a Little Mermaid show. This was an animated show. And if it's such a big deal, um, you know that Jesus was black. I hate to be the one to tell you, but he was. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's a couple people that I want to talk about because I do not want them to be forgotten. And I, I'm going to try to do this every other episode. Every episode, one of the two. But we cannot forget about Jalen Walker, who was shot at 90 times, and at the autopsy, there was 46 bullet holes in his body. Um, We also cannot forget about Porter Burks, who was shot at 43 times. Um, And if you're also saying, why don't you get a conceal and carry license, like it's legal and you can arm yourself and do all this, well... A conceal and carry license means nothing when you're black because Keyshawn Thomas had a conceal and carry license, did everything right at the traffic stop, told him he had a gun in his thing, he had the clip in his trunk, and they still shot him and killed him. 
So it makes no sense. This will never make sense until people want to figure out what's going on. And what's going on is an abuse of power. What's going on are people that think that other people are gross and disgusting just for their skin color is using their power to kill them because they do not think that they are good. And I need to preface this as well. I love the police. I love the military. But I also understand that there is bad apples. And a lot of those bad apples are still in the place. And if you're like, oh, well, there's good apples. I personally do not think there's such thing as good apples for cops. Because if there's bad apples and those good apples know about it, then aren't those good apples then turned into bad apples? And if I'm sending your mind into like a clusterfuck right now, well, I'm also in one because I just said apples way too many times. So if you want to make that into a drinking game, you can drink it. Anytime I said apple, I'll say it a couple more times for you. Bad apples, good apples, good apples, bad apples. <laughs> okay. But no, cops are not the problem. People are the problem. The military is not the problem. The people are the problem. It's the way that they think. It's the way that you act when a black person comes in the room. It's a way that I am so used to being the only black person in a room that it is just normal now. It is normal for me to get those looks because, and I'm going to preface this again, I'm a very big black man. <laughs> and so if people don't know me, they think I'm scary. And if people know me, they think I'm hilarious. So there's, there is no in between. It's either I get called the N word to my face or I get a hug when people see me and there's literally no in between. Um, like for instance, there's multiple times lately where it's just like people of uh, avidly avoid me just because they see me as a threat, even though I'm doing nothing threatening whatsoever other than living my life. <laughs> that is a common thing in my, in my life. And it, I, you know, I have no control over it. It's, it sucks. But also I could give a fuck because I don't want them in my life and they don't want me in their life. So cool. Okay. Until either I need them or they need me. It's that type of thing. It's we're at war. As Kanye said, <laughs> we are always at war and there is no in between. Um, so I have a couple more things I want to talk about before we get into this interview. I want to talk about sports. There's so many good sports. Sports is, are back on. Sports are my way of, I would say, just like recuperating. Because I can just literally do nothing and just watch sports and hang out with my friends. That is, I absolutely love that aspect of it. Or I can just watch it by myself, and that's awesome. Or I can watch it with my grandpa, also awesome. So there's just sports just brings so many people together, and that's what I honestly like about sports. And plus... It's fun to watch guys beat the crap out of each other for a shit ton of money. <laughs> so, there's always that. Um, there was another thing that I wanted to talk about. I'm still reading, I'm reading this book, it's Black Ink, and I just read this really good insert from, um, who was it? Where is he? Martin Luther King. I don't know if you know him. But he, I'll read a little bit for you. 
He said, like most people, I had heard of Gandhi, but I've never studied him seriously. As I read, I became more deeply fascinated by his campaigns of nonviolent resistance. I was particularly moved by his salt march to the sea and his numerous fasts. The whole concept was proudly, it was profoundly significant to me as I developed deeper in the philosophy of Gandhi. My skepticism considering the power of love gradually diminished, and I came to see the first time its potency in the area of social reform. Prior to reading Gandhi, I had about concluded that the ethics of Jesus were only effective in individual relationships. The turn, the, the quote-unquote turn-the-other-cheek philosophy and the quote-unquote love-your-enemies philosophy were only valid. I felt the individuals were in conflict with each other. Individuals when racial groups and nations were in conflict. A more realistic approach seemed necessary, but after reading Gandhi, I saw how utterly mistaken I was. So to me, that just proved that in all aspects of our life, we have no clue what is going on until we figure out at a basic level what we want to do, what we need to be done, and to always to question everything, like, like Virgil always said. You need to keep questioning everything because if that is the way that he's thinking and he got murdered by the U.S. government, and if that was a way that other people were thinking that got murdered by the U.S. government, how do we change that aspect of our lives? And I highly encourage you, if you're listening to this, to pay attention because elections are coming up. Just do a 20-minute synopsis of on your computer, on your phone, on anything, and just read about the candidates that are going to be on your, on your ballot and figure out who you like and who you don't like. Do their views match yours? Do their, do their, does their personality help others? Do they want to help others, or are they just in it for the money and to get out of taxes? I highly encourage you to pay attention to your elections because your one vote does matter. And I also highly recommend you, if you have been voting Democrat for the, the past however many times you've been voting, to also look at the Republican side and not just blindly vote Democrat and vice versa. If you've been on the Republican side your whole life, please also read about the Democrats and if there's one on there that you like, or if there's one Republican on there that you like, and you like the rest are Democrats or the opposite party, you can vote for them as well. You do not have to always vote on one party side. You can vote for different people. It The parties system, parties are like borders. They just fuck everything up and make people, individualism, make them feel better. It's fucked. But, okay, now... Let's have some fun, eh? Did a little reading, did a little backstory, did a little history. Let's get into some interviews. So what I'm thinking is I'll do the same questions and I'll talk about some of the things that I just talked about. And let's get into it. So I'm going to pass this, pass it over to Brendan. So in one, two, three, you'll be listening to Brendan in the future. But for you, it will be just like a split second. So Brendan, here you go. Okay, we're back. Welcome. The interview today is going to be this guy that I would like to introduce you to, Brendan Lindell. Everybody, let's give it up for Brendan. Oh, thank you guys. You shouldn't have. You shouldn't have. Okay, Brendan, let's go through. Let's talk about what it is. What is your story? What do you see as your story? Well, thank you, Brendan. That was an amazing question. You're a great interviewer, by the way. I just want to point that out. Um, you look really nice today, by the way, as well. Stop it. You're too nice. Okay. 
I would say my story starts as a little kid. Um, my great family growing up, mom, dad, like my mom said in my last episode, um, I was adopted and then I was put into foster care, taken back, taken, and then I came back to him. I also, after that, my parents got divorced pretty hard. We moved to a different city, made, I had no clue how it was pronounced. Um, <laughs> me and my sister absolutely hated it, but I will not talk about what my sister didn't and did like. I will just talk about myself. Thank you, Brendan. Smart move. Yeah, thank you, Brent. <laughs> okay, I'll stop. I'll stop. It's getting annoying for me. I'm guessing it's getting annoying with you guys. I'll just tell the story. Yeah, so parents got divorced. We moved. Um, and then we keep going back and forth like every weekend. Um, go see my dad. He was... I don't want to do this to him. I'm only going to say good things. He was really, at heart, good guy. Um... What I also never take for granted is how in my parents' divorce, they never, like, they were fighting a bunch, and I would always try to stop them fighting, but they would always, no matter what, put me and myself, put my sister and I first, and I will never forget that, and I will always remember that, that they did that, even through their worst times in their lives, they made sure that their kids were not in the middle of it. But it was inevitable. We were in the middle of it no matter what, even how hard they tried to be cordial with each other. They were still super nice. They never talked shit about each other. They never did anything to influence us not to like the other person. Um, They were just like, yeah, he's your father, and yeah, she's your mother, and that is that. that. This is our life right now, and we're going to keep it as is. Um... Now, here's another weird thing that I don't talk about, but I'm going to talk about. Um, My father had another family. I did not know about it until later. My my family knew about it before I did. I found out just by accident hearing them talk about it one day. But yeah, he had another family. We reached out. um, Never saw or talked to them. I reached out to them multiple times. They didn't want anything to do with me. They hated me because they despised me because they think that my, or they don't think my dad left them for us. And that is the truth. Um, But the only time that I saw them was at my dad's funeral. And I really liked them. I had a niece that was like three years below me. She was super cool, super funny. Um, I had, I think another niece, if I remember right. I'm that part of my life is like a blur. Um, but met them. They were cordial. I guess they said they didn't say hi to me. I just went up to them with my aunt and she introduced us and then that was it. They didn't want anything to do with me. And I could tell, you know, it was just the energy in the room. It was just like, I don't want to fucking see you right now. Um, but then like, then once that happened, I, nobody knew, none of my friends knew, none of my people at school knew. I didn't want anybody to know because I knew how they treated kids with one parent and I knew how they did that. Um, 
And some of my friends knew him because they would see him around. They were just this guy, and then I would go up to him and talk to him, hug him, and do all that. And they'd be like, oh, who's that? And I would just, like, just slide under, that's my dad. Um, they wouldn't know all the bad stuff that would happen. They didn't know any of that, like, the, that fun stuff. But I'm not going to get into that here because that family's got to stay family. And that is, there's some things that are bigger than sports, and this is one of those. <laughs> You know the saying, you know the cliche, that's, yeah, I'm putting that cliche out there. Um, but once he passed, I had a lot of hate for him for no reason other than, why the fuck did you leave me? That's that. I referred to myself also as the Grim, the Grim Reaper at the time because a lot of the people in my life were dying around me. And I didn't want anyone to know anything about me because in my eyes if they did then they would die and I know it's fucked up to think about but I was a kid at the time and that's how that's what I thought so then I get into sports get into all this meet all these nice people and I specifically keep them at arm's length because like I've said before on this podcast like I knew that most of them weren't gonna be my friends past high school and now I for the past couple of years, I would say I've been more vulnerable with my friends, which has been very hard for me because I don't like to, to open up to anyone really. Um, but that's, it's been the best I'm the best. So I highly recommend just being vulnerable with your friends, being vulnerable with your family, being vulnerable with people there. You shouldn't just be a closed book. If that makes sense. Um, also, then, in high school, about two years later, four years, five, four years? Okay, wait, 12, eight, six years later, I got expelled from school for taking a BB gun off of the school premises. I dropped it, school bus driver saw it, called the cops, and then I'm facing a felony charge, three misdemeanors, a petty misdemeanor, and I was kicked out of school. That was really hard. Um, then, let's see, where does my story take us then? And throughout all this time, raised in the church, big church boy, um, know a lot about Christianity and the religion. I love-hate relationship when it comes to religion. I love the people that are in the religion, the ideals behind the religion, not that big on, but the people that taught the religion through my eyes absolutely loved them they had no ill will in their hearts they weren't trying to force anything they were just trying to teach and I thought that that was amazing now I'm realizing that some people don't do that and I'm realizing that the people that I had around me was amazing and so don't take anything or anyone for granted I also want everyone to know that um yeah but now with when it comes to religion Nope, Brendan, we have a timeline to follow. So after I got expelled, I the whole thing went all the way up to the Minnesota Supreme Court. They were just like, this is some bullshit. And then I got back into school, got kicked out spring break of my junior year, and I was allowed back my senior year, second semester. And after that, I was going to go to college, but the alternative learning center that I went to did not send my transcript in time so I did not go to college I then went to a nope I lied I did go to college 
because the community college that we went that was in town did not need my transcript in time they just needed it at a certain before a certain point that was a lot later than the college that I wanted to go to so I went there for a semester realized it wasn't for me yet and that I didn't want to do this so then I went to work and then I started to work for about two years and then the whole um Black Lives Matter movement happened George Floyd happened and then I really I was really lost. I really had no clue what was going on in my life. I had no clue who I could trust. I had no, I hadn't, it was like the ground underneath me was taken because everybody all of a sudden cared. <laughs> everybody all of a sudden cared. Yeah. And I didn't accept the way that I saw it, and I still see it to this day, is everybody cared online, and nobody cared IRL, and that was the real kicker, that was the real issue for me, um, it was the fact that I could see my friends posting this stuff, but yet wouldn't check in on the only black friend that they had, um, it was the fact that nobody was trying to talk to me about it, none of my friends, and the only way that I found to express myself was through this podcast. And so I want to thank everyone that's listening because you are why I do it. The people that I inspire are why I do it. The people that I help are the reason why I do it. And I'm grateful every day that I'm able to do this. And for the people that have died trying to do what I am doing, I do it for them as well. So that's my story. <laughs> oh, Brendan. Great interview. You're the best. Thank you so much for going into depth about your life with us. It means so much. Oh, you're welcome, Brendan. I got you. Anything for you. Oh, stop it. And now, I'm living my best life, learning so much every single day. Um, I'm DJing wedding events, which is amazing. I'm having so much fun with that. I treat it like a concert, and everybody loves it. Um, I'm, it's fun, it's hard, and it's tough at the same time, but it's what I love, I love people, being around people, helping people, um, yeah, so just remember that don't take anything in life for granted, anything, at all, and that is all. Hallelujah. Goodbye. <laughs>